Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 josh pick is the chief investment advisor with aptus wealth management a state registered investment advisory firm this program is sponsored by aptus wealth management exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. this information should not be considered tax or legal advice individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation past performance is not a guarantee of future results Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Besides this show, every weekend, you can also join Josh Mondays at 1230 for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at Josh's website, aptuswealth.com. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, famed investor and rich dad, poor dad author, Robert Kiyosaki, has said the biggest crash in world history is looming. So whether he's right or not, something we can maybe get into later. But he did offer gold, silver, and Bitcoin as suggestions of ways to protect wealth in case of catastrophe. Why these three? Well, first, uh, the author, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I like the book. If you haven't read the book, it's a great book. It illustrates and outlines um, the concepts of taxation, being an entrepreneur, um, running uh, certain expenditures through a business, exponential growth using leverage in real estate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think the first part of that question you said is famed investor. I would disagree that he's a famed investor. Uh, I would say he's an investor who has made the bulk of his living off of speaking engagements and book sales more than being an investor. But that said, um, I I believe he's well-intentioned, but I also believe that, again, he makes his living off of book sales and off of speaking engagements and now off of, even as a monopoly, a board game, I believe, uh, to help people learn more about money. So why do I think he would recommend gold, silver, and Bitcoin? The same reason a lot of people are recommending gold, silver, and Bitcoin, and that is the general belief is that the stock market has run too high and that inflation is right around the corner. And you'll hear terms like fiat currency, meaning the government has the ability to print money. And once the government was enabled the ability to print money as opposed to have to have that backed up by gold, which is that definition of fiat currency. Back in the day, we used to actually have enough gold to justify the amount of Uh, cash that we had in circulation. That is no longer the case. We have a fiat currency, which means that gold does not need to back up the dollar, which enables us to print money when necessary. And people like Robert Kiyosaki believe that that is, uh, you know, somewhat giving the uh, spoiled rotten kid the printing presses and the ability to print for whatever they want. And inherently that creates inflation. I don't disagree with that concept. 
And I think that we're starting to see the ramifications of inflation already around the corner. Social Security has already said that they're anticipating a 5 to 6% increase in Social Security payments next year. We're seeing the cost of food is through the roof. Oil just hit a seven-year all-time or seven-year high. Cotton, other commodities, even higher than that, 10, 12-year all-time highs. So there's no question that uh, inflation is amongst us. And his belief, not necessarily mine, but his belief, is that gold, silver, and Bitcoin will provide a hedge against inflation and market volatility. He also believes, ironically, as he is a real estate investor at heart, that uh, property values may be running amok. And uh, he points to the direction of uh, Asia for that. And if you don't know what I mean, this the second largest property developer in China um, continues to kind of send nervous vibes across the global, global market because it has been determined that their valuations were nonsense and that company is essentially collapsing like a house of cards. So he believes the same thing could happen in the U.S. And the only way that you can protect yourself is by hedging against that inflation and that economic collapse by buying things that aren't readily replaceable, gold, silver, and Bitcoin. The downside to that is, historically speaking, gold and silver have been only ahead of uh, cash as far as investments go. Other than cash, throughout history, they've been the worst investment you could possibly put your money in from a growth rate perspective. They do have some, pun intended, I guess, uh, glimmers of brilliance uh, from time to time, but only in short periods of time. In the long haul, they don't prove to be great investments. So uh, the point is you can diversify amongst those things, but I would not take all your money and dump them into those things as they will create their own bubble. And if you had bought gold 20 years ago, you're probably not a very happy camper today. So uh, tread lightly on hopping on any bandwagon where it's very polarizing. You know, get out of everything and go to this. That's a that's a cautionary tale more than good advice, in my opinion. And so what should people look at this as part of their overall retirement plan, correct? When they when they come in and can you, it's, it's kind of a, just a small part of an overall picture of things that they need to do when thinking about retirement. Of course. And, and again, owning some gold, silver and Bitcoin is not a terrible idea. But my question to anybody who said they wanted to go into that would what would be a good time to get into it? And when would a good time to be get out of it? And most people can't answer that question. They're being steered that direction for fear rather than from sound economic principles. So the objective is, yes, you need diversification. Yes, they have a place. But to what extent and when? And unfortunately, Diane, most people cannot answer that question. And the when and why is during periods of uh, complete and utter turmoil or holding small percentages because it's a different correlated asset. But that those those percentages should go along with things like investing in agriculture, commodities, other hard assets, oil, um, as well as stocks, as well as uh, things like annuities and real estate, et cetera, et cetera. It should not be, and where people get hurt is where they say, well, you know, my friend told me that being in the stock market is the best place to be. I go all in. Uh, now they're telling me it's a great time to get out. I go all out. Uh, that doesn't play well in the long run. Usually what it causes is a lot of work for very little reward, if not loss. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That number again is 614-364-7300. Josh, how big of a threat does inflation pose to retirement? It's a huge, huge risk. 
you know, inflation is simply the concept that what we buy today will cost more tomorrow. Or if you want to look at it a different way, the purchasing power of your dollar is constantly being eroded. So, you know, what you used to be able to buy a 10 cent stamp, now it's, you know, a heck of a lot more than that. Similarly, if you looked at the beginning of the year and you want to go buy some some gasoline, uh, you're paying a heck of a lot more, uh, almost to the tune of, of uh, 100% more than you were at the beginning of the Biden administration, for example, for a, for a gallon of gasoline. The gas is the same. You're still getting a gallon of gas. It's just costing you a lot more. And that happens with all items, uh, with the exception of maybe technology, but it happens with all items or durable goods that you need to live your life. So if you look at your retirement, you say, well, you know, I'm going to need some food. I'm going to need uh, electric for my house. I'm going to need, uh, you know, natural gas to heat my house, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how much is that going to go up by every year? And historically speaking, over about the last 20, 25 years, it's been less than 3%. But even at 3%, that would mean if you retired at 65, by the time you're 90, things are costing twice as much as when you retired. So if you retired and bought a $30,000 car, it's very conceivable to think that it's a $60,000 car uh, when you are 20, 25 years into retirement. So that's kind of you know, nerve wracking in and of itself. And then if we look at things like long-term care, it's even a faster growth rate. But the real challenge now is as we're printing more money, creating infrastructure bills, um, borrowing money at record rates, the deficit is climbing quickly as a result of it. Uh, It's very conceivable that that the days of two and 3% inflation are behind us, at least for an extended period of time. So if you want to think about, well, what's the difference? What a 3% inflation rate it takes about 24 years for your purchasing power to be cut in half. At a 6% inflation rate, it's obviously half of that. Well, that would mean that if we doubled the inflation rate to 6, in that same period of time that you'd be used to at 3, you would need four times the amount of money. So the erosion of your purchasing power via the dollar and via all this printing is a huge concern. So what do you need to do? Well, you have to take into this into account and make sure that you're investing in asset classes that will coincide or keep up with inflation or create environments from income perspective like an annuity that adjusts for inflation at a rate that will actually keep up with inflation. And the problem there is what most people are doing today is they look at the market and they say, oh, man, it's really high, and now volatility is picking up. You know, last week was a... um, uh, the last couple of weeks have been a pretty pretty volatile, tumultuous couple of weeks. And you look at that and say, I don't know what to do. I can't afford to lose all my money. I'm just going to go to cash, which you would think is a safer bet. But if you insert this point of significant inflation, it's a very dangerous bet because your purchasing power, even though you're safe and in cash, is being eroded very, very quickly. So I think what we're encountering today is, people who have invested their money over the last 10 years and been handsomely rewarded for that. But just because they've been handsomely rewarded doesn't necessarily mean that they had a logical plan. It just means that the stock market has gone up and that rising tide has has risen all ships. But now we have to more than ever know what we're doing to navigate the potentially very turbulent waters ahead without just simply going to cash Or similarly, just going down as sinking tides will sink all ships. You better know what you're doing if you want to uh, achieve a desired result of increased gains to couple with inflation while still minimizing volatility. And you bring people through the Aptus Blueprint process. Let's talk about that. 
Yeah, you know, the process is, is important because, you know, it's an educational process and it's a planning process. And similar to what I just said, if you don't know why you're doing the things that you're doing, it builds doubt and fear. And when doubt and fear enter the equation, then that's when things like move all your money to cash, silver, and Bitcoin become appealing, which is a very risky proposition. So in meeting number one, as part of that beginning of the education process, we want to learn everything about you. What educational background do you have as it relates to this type of planning? But uh, more importantly, what have you been doing up to this point in the way of savings uh, to achieve whatever your goals are? And of course, what are your goals? What are your fears, et cetera? We call that the discovery process. And then in meeting number two, we analyze the information that you already gave us. Simply put, we're going to find out if you continue to do what you're doing, will your arrow hit the target of whatever your goal is? And then what are some potential bumps along the way that could derail your progress? Then in meeting number three, we're going to address those. So what is an actionable blueprint, not just a plan, but a blueprint that will get you to where you want to go and minimize all of the concerns that one would have, like taxation, uh, risk, et cetera, and still allow you to achieve your goals, pass your money onto your heirs, whoever you want them to go with, uh, go to in the most efficient way possible. And then if you haven't figured it out yet, that three-step process is just a long interview process to not only get you information, help educate you along the way, but decide if this is going to be a mutually beneficial relationship. So by meeting four, we'll have a pretty good handle as to whether or not working together is a good fit, or if you learned a lot along the way and uh, you decide to do it uh, elsewhere on your own. But uh, I assure you when you leave, you'll feel a lot more comfortable about your situation than when you arrived. Thank you, Josh. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement every Monday at 1230 p.m. with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays. The recording's at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, Give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, I saw an article in Kiplinger outlining four big retirement blenders, and I wanted to get your thoughts on those items. But before we look at their list, what is the single biggest blender that you see people make when it comes to retirement? I would say there's two of them that go hand in hand. One is uh, not having an appropriate plan, which seems very logical, but the other is Uh, which is a little more nuanced, is not having a logical plan on how to withdraw funds during retirement. 
And to clarify that, what I mean is everybody typically has some sort of plan on savings. I'm going to save 5%, 10%, whatever, and I'm going to, I'm going to grow my pot of money. And then when I retire, I'll take a percentage off of that or a, or a flat dollar amount off of that when I retire. But usually uh, what people will do is let's say that we have a 401k and that 401k has got a million dollars in it. And that 401k is allocated 60% in stocks and 40% of bonds or, or something to that effect. And then they will just take a, uh, I'm going to take $50,000 a year off of that and uh, just proportionally withdraw it from my account. And what they do not have is a logical withdrawal plan that necessarily minimizes taxation and more importantly, minimizes the impact of sequence return risk. And sequence of return risk is really the silent killer in any retirement income plan. And sequence of return risk is the concept that while we may end up averaging six, seven, eight percent in our investments over time, we are the order in which the returns occur year over year have a dramatic impact on the amount of money that we have remaining in the long run. So let me give you an example. If you got a straight seven percent rate of return every single year, which I'm sure people would be very happy about if they could set that up for the rest of their retirement, just give me seven percent a year every single year, and then I'll just quote-unquote live on the interest. That would be great. But we know investing in the stock market is, uh, at least in today's interest rate environment, the only way that you're going to even have a remote chance of being able to achieve that result or real estate or something that has a volatility metric to it. So when we do that, one year we might get 20%, the next year we might get negative 2%, the next year we might get, and, and so on and so forth. It bounces around. And those orders in which those returns occur and how and when you withdraw your money from them can either be a hero or the silent crippler. Um, I could show you many scenarios where people can get the same rates of return over time, but one person runs out of money and the other doesn't based upon the volatility in their portfolio. So to answer your question, the biggest mistake that I see is not having a plan for handling sequence of return risk or volatility in income distribution. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. All right, let's talk about the four blenders that they talk about. The first one, not giving Social Security enough respect. I think Social Security needs to be analyzed just like any other income source, whether it's a pension, et cetera, because we know a couple of stats. Uh, I believe it's uh, over half of married couples and almost in over two-thirds of unmarried people receive at least half of their income in retirement via Social Security. So clearly, if we're looking at something that is going to provide roughly half of your retirement income, then I think it's probably pretty important that we get it right. And unfortunately, once you elect your Social Security payments and you've received 12 months worth of those payments, there are no redos. And there's a lot of factors that affect Social Security, like taxation. And Social Security is very oddly taxed in that it's taxed based upon your outside income rather than in and of itself. So you need to coordinate how are minimum required distributions going to affect my particular scenario. How is my particular income level going to affect Social Security and where should I draw my other income from? But just simply saying, I'm going to retire at 65, so I'm going to start collecting my Social Security at 65, may or may not be a brilliant choice, or you might be leaving a lot of money on the table for the remainder of your life. You have to look at Social Security with things like 
uh, how long do I believe I'm going to live, et cetera, et cetera, and come up with a logical pattern from Social Security. But I don't see people doing that that often, but I assure you we do it in my office. Another blunder they talk about is not having a plan for future long-term health care costs. Yeah, and I think this ties directly into the inflation uh, conversation that we had. You know, when we think about long-term care, nobody, no, none of us actually want to think about it. I mean, we don't want to end up in a facility, but we do know that statistically there's a very significant chance that everyone listening, myself included, is going to end up for some period of time in a long-term care facility. And while general inflation is scary to us, long-term care costs are even higher in the way of escalating every single year. On top of that, we have the baby boomers uh, rounding the turn into retirement, and we have uh, an environment of COVID. We have an environment of having a very difficult time filling staffing needs for long-term care facilities. I've seen stats that as little as 5% of long-term care facilities are actually adequately staffed. Um, so, you know, you have to have a plan for that. And you better, it doesn't necessarily mean you go and you buy a, a giant long-term care policy, but what it does mean is you look at your scenario and you develop a plan. You don't want to be caught, you know, not expecting something when you're at arguably one of the most vulnerable times of your life. So it's more important to plan today than to have the planning done for you and you just have to sleep in the bed that you didn't even know you made. Um, you know, down the line when that time comes. Another one they mention is leaving IRA money to heirs. Yeah, this is kind of a new one. You know, in the past, before we changed the rules last year, we had our entire lives to dis take distributions from IRAs. And, and just to clarify what I mean by that, IRA money is, you know, could have been a 401k, could have been a 403b, but you put money into an IRA, you put it in pre-tax, it's been growing tax deferred. But then when you take the money out, you have to throw that into your taxable income. So, you know, depending upon your situation, that could be a lot of tax or a little bit of tax, but nevertheless, it is in fact taxed. When you inherit an IRA pre this year, you used to be able to stretch those distributions as an heir over your entire lifetime, which would mean if you inherited a lot of money, you could take a small amount of money every single year until you reach retirement. So, you know, I'm in my mid 40s. I don't plan on retiring for 20 years. I could minimize the amount that I had to take between now and 65 or 70 years old and then turn it on. But now with the rule changes, you only have 10 years. So I'll have to pay the full tax burden on all of that money as an heir in the next 10 years, which depending upon your situation, may be a terrible scenario. You might be in your highest earning years during those 10 years in the highest tax bracket. You can imagine if you're leaving money to somebody that you love or care about or your heirs, the last thing you want to do is see a large chunk of your hard-earned savings go directly to taxes. So planning for that, and I, I always sound like a broken record, but planning, forecasting, very important, can make a dramatic difference. Okay. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, let's talk about paying off your mortgage early. How important is it to prioritize paying off your mortgage before retirement? I'm sure we'd all like to have mortgages paid off. It's obviously better to have no debt than to have debt. Um, but we've also heard that having... Uh, uh, mortgage debt is good debt, if there is such a thing. Um, but then most people would like to have their mortgage paid off before they retire. I hear that often. Well, first, if you're not going to accomplish that goal, don't panic. 
It's not the end of the world, particularly in today's interest rate environment. Sometimes having a mortgage is actually a good idea. Uh, and you might think, well, when would that be a good idea? Well, if you have a cash flow problem, meaning, uh, yes, I could pay off my mortgage, but at the same time, if I do that, I'm going to be living cash strapped for the rest of my life um, because the numbers just don't add up, then it may make sense to take out uh, even a larger mortgage uh, fixed for the remainder of your life and have more cash flow or a higher cash position in general than have your mortgage paid off. And you know, it's not the end of the world if you're 70 years old and have a 30-year mortgage. You know, well, I'm never going to pay that off. Well, you know, not your problem. That's the bank's problem, not yours. But in general, the huge advantage of having your mortgage paid off is more than what you might think while you're in your working years. If you do, in fact, or have the ability to pay off your mortgage, when you're working, you're making a salary, typically. Most people in America make a salary and maybe bonuses, but... Um, Unless you're you know, self-employed, it's a different story. But if you are working on a salary, you're going to make that salary regardless of whether or not you have a mortgage or not. So your tax scenario is pretty well set and locked. But when you're retired, you can determine to a large degree how much you make in a particular year. And the more you make in the United States, we have a graduated tax system. So the more you make, the more you pay in taxes. So not having a mortgage allows you to draw out potentially less money to live on to achieve the same lifestyle, paying thus less in taxes potentially, or freeing up the opportunity to be able to do things like Roth conversions or manipulating your situation to the benefit of your heirs, et cetera. So having your mortgage paid off is a huge advantage in being able to modify or change your situation from a tax perspective. But again, not everybody can be in that scenario. It doesn't mean you have to panic. It means just like everything else, you should take a look at that particular mortgage, investigate the concept of refining to lower interest rates or perhaps uh, shorten your mortgage, lengthen your mortgage. But you should manage your debt just like you manage your investments. And both of those planning qualities can make a dramatic difference in the long run. But people I can understand like to just have that completely waived when they that payment. So they go into retirement not having to worry about the house mortgage. Of course. Uh, and, you know, your house is, in fact, an asset. So, uh, you know, having your house paid off means that you have more equity in that asset, that in the event that you needed the money, you could use that resource. Again, you need less cash, you need less income uh, because you don't have that mortgage hanging over your head. There's been many studies that have proven that, uh, you know, quality of life via stress level goes up when you're debt free. There's a huge host of examples on why having your house paid off would be great in retirement, if not period. But it does not mean that if you have seven years left on your mortgage and you have the financial wherewithal to retire, that you should put that off until you pay off your house. What you should do is do the proper planning to know if it is uh, something that's required and not just arbitrarily saying that I'm not going to retire until my house is paid off. Give Josh's office a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com, and you can join Josh every Monday at 1230 for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. 
If you're concerned about the market and you want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today at 614-364-7300. There's no cost or obligation, but space fills fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, people often think of income during retirement as something we create from years of savings. What are some other methods you've seen people use to generate unexpected income? Oh, there's a lot of them. One that's relatively new that I've been seeing is uh, renting out their home. I don't pretend to be an expert on this topic, but I have seen many ways where people will uh, rent out their home while they're on vacation or even, you know, kind of swap houses. You know, you live in Vermont and I live in Ohio and you're coming down here to visit family and I have family out there. And we'll just a couple weeks a year, we we flip back and forth, which eliminates uh, a lot of, you know, potential vacation stay costs. Or if you're going to stay with family anyway, actually charging somebody almost like a, a VRBO or a. Um, you know, any of the the other methods uh, of using your house for income. Now, that's going to be dependent, I'm sure, on where you live, what your house looks like, et cetera. But I have seen that become a little bit more common. That does have a a certain uh, element to, uh, you know, how comfortable you are with that, though. So a new one, interesting one, not one that I see a tremendous amount of people doing, but but definitely a nuanced way to to, uh, gain some more money in retirement. Speaking of your house, one that's gaining a little bit more prominence that was kind of a dirty word, you know, 10, 15 years ago is something called a Heckam loan, which is today's version of a reverse mortgage. It used to be in the past that it was kind of the wild, wild west where fees were through the roof and interest rates were exorbitant. And uh, if you didn't pay your, your mortgage back, there were ways that your house could be recaptured or you, you basically gave up your house when you died and your kids didn't inherit anything. And there's these horror stories when it comes to reverse mortgages. However, uh, the Heckam loan arena has been pretty heavily regulated. And if you're over the age of 65 and uh, have, you know, at least 50% in equity in your home, there is a possibility that you can lock in at today's low interest rates and not have a mortgage uh, payment shy of your taxes for the remainder of your life. And you can still live in your home for the rest of your life. So much like we were talking about just a segment ago on, um, you know, is it important to have your house paid off? Well, if you don't have your house paid off and the cash flow problem of paying for your house is still a challenge, then there are ways that you could still potentially eliminate that house payment to a large degree and remain in your home for the rest of your life, which if you eliminate a payment, that's you know synonymous with saying I've increased my cash flow. So that's an interesting way to increase income in retirement. There are also ways, by the way, if you own your house outright, you could... Uh, actually take money out of your house and use it for income in the form of an annuity payment and still remain in your house. So now you've taken your house, you've turned it into an income source and have no payment associated with that and get to live in your house all at the same time. So again, having your house paid off, at least initially when entering retirement, affords you a lot of opportunities to 
lower your amount of income required to pay your, uh, your mortgage payment, or even turn that house into an income stream in retirement. But if you don't have it completely paid off, but you have it largely paid off, or at least 50% paid off, there are ways that you can manipulate that system to your advantage as well. Uh, the other ways are pretty obvious, you know, I mean, using dividend income as opposed to actually liquidating stocks, but living on the dividends, which I think will be more and more valuable as time moves on over the next 10 years. I believe that dividend stocks will continue to increase in their payout threshold because of interest rates, et cetera, just the overall market. Um, getting a part-time job, hopefully doing something that you really enjoy and like is a great way to force yourself to get up in the morning and go somewhere and be social and keep sharp while at the same time improving your income scenario. And then uh, another one is a health savings account. You know, a lot of us do health savings accounts because it's a great way to put money in pre-tax. You can actually invest those dollars where they grow tax deferred. And then as long as they're used for the purposes of, you know, health care, then you, the money is tax free. But in the event that it's not used for health care, once you are in retirement over the age of 65, you can actually use those funds much like a traditional IRA, meaning, yes, they are in fact taxed just like an IRA but they don't necessarily have to be used for healthcare. So a lot of people have been putting money into their HSAs uh, very religiously over the years with the intention of being able to use those in retirement. Well, sometimes life gets in the way, things change, COVID happens, et cetera, list goes on. That would be a way that you could complement your retirement income from a source that you probably didn't initially think of as a retirement income source, but rather a healthcare source. Josh, about the reverse mortgage, it used to have such a bad reputation. Has that improved? Have the high costs improved? Or what has changed from before? Well, I think regulation. Regulation is the, the, the big key. You know, it was a, if you look back on how mortgages were handled back in the early 2000s, you know, it was the Wild West of mortgages in general, which is why we ended up with the financial crisis of 08, 09. Um, you could do no-doc loans for mortgages, et cetera. Well, similarly, the reverse mortgage industry was very highly unregulated. So it wasn't uncommon to have huge commissions paid to brokers, uh, really significant or exorbitant down payment costs to be able to do it in the way of just fees. And then on top of that, you know, if you look back to that period of time, interest rates were a lot higher than they are today. But if you then look at how mortgages in general act today, uh, I would say they're so regulated that if you've done a, rever uh, done a just a traditional refi or bought a home recently, it's incredibly difficult to go th and navigate through the process of getting a mortgage just because of the high level of uh, regulation. Well, similarly, uh, reverse mortgages, or as they're called now, HECM loans, uh, the fees that people can charge is regulated. Interest rates are heavily regulated. It's just a different uh, time uh, for loans in general, and HECM fall into that category. So I'm not saying everybody should have one. But I'm not saying that you should immediately snub your nose at one because you remember the reverse mortgages of the early 2000s. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. I've heard a lot of people, Josh, are retiring early. Any idea what's prompting this? Well, there's a lot of different motivations. I suspect that uh, some people's motivations are COVID-related. Well, I say I suspect that I've heard it, where people are saying, you know, I'm just not comfortable going back to my particular occupation, whether that's uh, your frontline worker or, uh, you know, first responder, et cetera. And you were thinking about retiring in the next year or two anyway. 
uh, but you just don't feel comfortable now that your particular occupation is forcing you to go from working from home to working back in the office. So I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, the other is just simply forced retirements. Uh, I've heard a lot of folks, um, their job has been downside as a, as a result of COVID, economic conditions, et cetera, and either they're getting you know a buyout offer to retire early to shrink that department, or their job has just simply been furloughed and then subsequently eliminated. So whether you're retiring on your own accord or you've been forced into this arena, there are some considerations, particularly if you're younger, that you have to take into account. And by that, I mean, if, you, if everybody retired it, uh, you know, within five years of their life expectancy, retirement planning would be a heck of a lot easier, wouldn't it? I mean, if you knew that you needed $100,000 a year, I'm just using that for round math, and you knew that you were going to die five years from now, as long as you had $500,000, you wouldn't even need to invest it and you'd be just fine. That said, uh, we're retiring a lot earlier now, and we're living a lot longer. So when Social Security was founded, for example, in 1935, the average collection age was 65, but the average life expectancy was only 63. So obviously, you know, planning for retirement wasn't that difficult for Social Security or for people who are retiring. But today, the average retirement age being in the mid-60s and people living into the mid uh, and sometimes late 80s, early 90s, that's a bigger challenge. So if you look at that and you say, well, what are my challenges as I look towards retirement? Well, one obviously would be if I retire early, let's say 62, and I file for my Social Security at 62, I can certainly do that, but I get a reduced amount when I file at 62, right? And if I file at 62, and now I have the impact, which we talked about earlier, of inflation, and inflation is kind of that silent killer, the eroding of purchasing power, well, now we don't know if Social Security is going to keep up with inflation, but it has to at least reasonably keep up if it's a significant portion of our retirement assets, or retirement income, rather, for a really long time, from 62 to, you know, age 90, for example, would be, you know, 28 years. That's a really long time for Social Security to try and keep up. So while you can file at 62, you may not want to, even though you retire then. So, again, points back to plan, plan, plan. Even if you retire early, make sure you do the analysis on when you should take Social Security. The other thing would be as you retire earlier, the impact, again, of inflation and longevity uh, has to dictate at least to some part, how you're invested. So if you were 80 years old, you could be invested pretty conservatively because uh, unfortunately for all of us, we none of us get out of here alive. We can plan um, on our ultimate passing with a little bit more certainty than you can when you're, say, 55. Nobody really knows. So in turn, you have to uh, potentially assume a little bit more risk in your portfolio to achieve the results that you want. And that may or may not be something that you feel comfortable doing. And that in and of itself could be something that points you in the direction of perhaps uh, getting a part-time job or continuing on your job if you had the opportunity to work a little longer. But the biggest one, Diane, that I hear all the time when people retire early or are thinking about retiring early is, what am I going to do about health care until I'm 65? So we all know that when we retire, Medicare, at least as it exists today, is our health care provider for everyone as soon as we turn 65, unless we come from a, an employer or a, a government agency that provides it for us. But for the most of us, healthcare, our health care will be provided by Medicare. But if we retire at age 60, we have a five-year gap to work through. And health insurance for a 60-year-old, whether it's on the open exchange or some other method of acquiring health insurance, can be a very, very expensive proposition. So oftentimes retiring early 
is simply not an option just purely because of healthcare costs dependent upon your situation. So the long, long story short on all this, if you're planning on retiring or you have the option of planning to retire early, before you pull that ripcord on the chute, do some planning. Investigate, how am I going to get my insurance? What's it going to cost? Uh, am I comfortable with my portfolio and the risk level that I will have to assume to achieve my goals? What will my taxes and what are the risks of stress testing this for taxes, inflation, et cetera, going to look like? And then even though I'm retiring early, uh, how should I take my pension, Social Security, all those income sources that you may have out there where you have an option on when you take them into what capacity? So uh, it always points back to the same thing, Diane. That's plan, but there are some additional challenges if you're planning on retiring early. Give Josh's office a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com, and you can join Josh every Monday at 1230 for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley, right here on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are the biggest ways the pandemic is impacting retirement for baby boomers? Well, there's no question it's had a, a huge impact on all of us. But for baby boomers, if you think about that demographic, many of them were getting close to retiring um, and were forced into retirement potentially maybe a little earlier than they wanted to be. Uh, but also in that demographic, there's a lot of kids of baby boomers who have their own families that were also affected by the pandemic. So if you can think about you know uh, your kids with kids, being laid off or furloughed or losing their jobs, uh, many baby boomers were helping family members. Uh, so that financial strain has caused a lot of them to work longer and or not save near as much. And at the same time, a lot of things have happened uh, that maybe weren't part of the forecast. Maybe a year ago, uh, they said, sure, we can help out another family member because we have the resources to do so. Uh, but now inflation shot through the roof over the last 12 months, and I have a lot of fear about that. And now we're hearing about Social Security is going to run out of money, and I have a lot of fear about that. And now we're hearing about, you know, Medicare is even more underfunded than Social Security as an entitlement program. Do I have to be worried about my health care costs uh, in retirement? And what I'm seeing most often from that demographic is just that. It's a general fear of the unknown in retirement, which is causing people to maybe work longer than they were anticipating or going back and getting a part-time job or just this general feeling of uneasiness or uncertainty 
about what the future holds for their retirement that they didn't feel before the pandemic. So what does that mean we need to do? I think we need to show people as uh, investment advisors and planners what their situation looks like if in fact it is stress tested or stressed in certain capacities. What would happen if Social Security does in fact run out of money, which would mean that everybody's Social Security payment immediately would go down by almost a quarter? What would that mean to you in your retirement? What if uh, healthcare did in fact change? How would that impact you in retirement and how much extra cushion, if you will, do you have to afford that increased cost? Um, but you know, as a result of all this uncertainty and all of these, this moving of the needle, if you will, meaning I'm helping out a family member, I'm not saving as much, I'm worried about taxes going up, it has delayed the things that they wanted to do. And I'm not talking about just traveling, which is, you know, one of the number one things that retirees do, at least in the early years, is they like to travel, go see their family, et cetera. Well, COVID has certainly made traveling and exploring the world a heck of a lot more difficult and even getting sometimes to family members a heck of a lot more difficult. So that's been a huge, huge challenge. They've reevaluated large in part, what are their expenses? What are their priorities? What do I think I'm going to be able to do? And uh, I've noticed a lot of buckling down. We're going to buckle down and live a heck of a lot more conservatively than we thought we were going to be able to, which in many instances is appropriate, but in a lot of instances is just knee-jerk reaction to fear. So it's my job to tell them if their fear is justified and hopefully get them back to some semblance of having a quote-unquote happy retirement, which I hope I can do and I've fortunately been able to do uh, quite a bit here as of late. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, while it's hard to look at the pandemic in a positive light, it could have been worse, especially when it comes to Social Security, right? I don't know that I agree with that. Obviously, it could have been worse. It, it, It can always be worse. But Social Security is in a pretty tough spot. And I think probably why you're saying it could have been worse is because obviously there could have been a dr- an even more extreme draw on Social Security, meaning Social Security has two components, remember. It has the retirement benefits and then the unemployment benefits. And if, um, if Social Security, or I'm not unemployment, I'm sorry, disability benefits. And if Social Security was exclusively responsible for uh, the disability claims that were filed as a result of COVID, it could have been worse. But there was some other governmental funding that was available for that. But what it did, in fact, do is a lot of people retired early and exacerbated an already existing problem. And that problem is that Social Security is, in fact, going to run out of money. And the anticipated date on that was somewhere around the mid-2030s. I've heard stats from 2034, 2033. And the belief is, or at least the stats that we're receiving are, that COVID has... Uh, upped the ante on that and cut it back only one year. So if it was 2033, now it's 2032, so on and so forth. But that still imposes a pretty big challenge. And we got to do something. Unfortunately, the sooner we do something, the better. Because we currently have 10 years roughly to solve this problem. And the time value money would indicate that the more time we have, the lower burden it will be in the long run. However, This is politics, and I don't believe that any politician 
is going to jump on that grenade before they're absolutely forced to do so. So I don't envision that we're going to have any solution to Social Security till probably somewhere around 2030. And that's really, really unfortunate because there are going to need to be some changes made. That's just simply a fact. And while we hear up in Washington that, that one person has the perfect solution by just making this one tweak or this person has a solution by making this one tweak, that's simply not correct. We're going to have to make a lot of adjustments. And those adjustments are going to be little parts and pieces of everybody's opinion. Uh, you know, taxes on benefits could go up. Um, the amount that we pay into Social Security could go up. The collection age or when we can actually start receiving Social Security could be extended. The benefit for waiting until later ages could be lessened. The detriment to taking it at early ages, earlier ages could be increased. The cost of living adjustments in the long run could be decreased, which obviously if we look at all these things and we think about it from a planning perspective for retirement, this is why we need to stress test all of these things and make sure that our retirement plan individually for, can accommodate for all of these things. But unfortunately, the earlier, you know, the earlier we would make these adjustments, the less, the, the less extreme they would have to be. But again, politically, I don't think anything's going to happen until we get there. Now, that's the bad news. But the good news is there is no politician, whether it's in you know, the president's seat, Congress, et cetera, that will allow Social Security to go defunct. Um, that would be political suicide, and nobody wants to go down in the history books as the person who completely destroyed Social Security. So these changes will be made. Um, I think that your Social Security payments can be relied upon. The full faith and the backing of the federal government will, will uh, certainly support that. But I think that it would be uh, foolhardy to not at least stress test your retirement based upon Social Security changing with a number of factors, um, which I've already discussed all those number of factors. I don't need to do it again. But please, uh, to defend your position uh, as it relates to your retirement solvency and and the happiness that you'll achieve because of your financial stability in retirement, definitely stress test your retirement portfolio with different levels of Social Security, taxation, et cetera. And to do that, give Josh's office a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. That's to take you through the Aptus Blueprint Retirement Blueprint process uh, where Josh can stress test your retirement plan. One question about Social Security. Let's say people are already on Social Security and they're thinking they want to make some extra income. Do they have a limit of what they can make before Social Security, their amounts start changing? They do, up to a point. So if you're before your full retirement age, and your full retirement age is somewhere between 66 and 67 based upon your date of birth, prior to that, so let's say you retired 62, you collect Social Security, and you go back to work. When you're before that pre-retirement or that full retirement age, there is a limit to the amount that you can earn. If you go over that limit, then for every $2 you make, social security your social security will be reduced by a dollar. And that amount just in case you're curious is somewhere right around $19,000. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head because it changes every single year, but right around 19 grand. Now, the, the unfortunate reality of this, Diane, is that how is Social Security going to find out that you made too much money? You want to take a stab? Income tax, your tax return. Your tax return, right. So let's assume that you filed for your, t your Social Security January 1, 
and you also had a job January 1. So you're working all throughout the year, and you don't file your taxes until April 15th the following year. You've received 16 months with Social Security payments. And then on top of that, we are talking about the government. It's probably going to take them just a little bit of time to figure it out, if not maybe even a whole year. So it's possible that you've received 16 months, 24 months worth of Social Security before you get that love letter in the mail that says, uh, good news, uh, you made more money than you were allowed to. You have to pay us back X dollar amounts. You can either write us a check and we'll call it even, or you will not receive your Social Security payment until you've paid back that amount for the next X amount of time. So you have to be very cautious to coordinate all of your income sources and stay underneath thresholds, or it can be kind of a time bomb you weren't expecting to go off. And you can help people figure that out. Of course, it's all part of the process. Um, you know, there's also income thresholds for taxation on Social Security. Social Security, I can't express enough, is a is a great program for retirees, but at the same time, it's a very nuanced program that has a lot of little you know details to it that don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. But if you play those details correctly, they can make a very impactful difference. So uh, make sure you navigate it correctly. So that is part of the Aptus Blueprint process. Let's run through that again for, for listeners that have not called your office. Um, explain the process that you take them through. Sure. Four-step process. We're going to cover all these things. Social Security, taxation, you know, risk, sequence of return risk, all the stuff that we've talked about today we'll obviously cover. But before we start covering that, we need to find out about you. So we call the first meeting our discovery meeting. We're going to find out what you've been doing up to this point, where your assets are held, how much you're saving all the time, and uh, what your goals are, what your fears are, et cetera. Meeting number two, we will analyze what you've given us. That doesn't mean that we're going to change anything. We're just going to say, if you keep doing what you're doing, this is the likelihood that your error is going to hit the target. But we'll also uncover potentially situations or things in your portfolio or your life that could jeopardize your ability for that arrow to hit the target. And meeting number three, we'll cover those. We'll try and make your retirement blueprint as ironclad as possible. We call it a blueprint because it's an actual, it's an actionable plan, not just a, hey, I think this will probably work. This is what you actually need to do. And then in meeting number four, uh, if you haven't figured out yet, those first three meetings are just a really long interview process to see if this is a good fit. If you are a good fit for our process and if our process is a good fit for you, this is a long-term relationship. And not until meeting number four do we decide that we're going to move forward. Uh, Diane, I want to thank you. Our listeners do not know, but we're recording remotely today because you, although vaccinated, did come down with the dreaded COVID, but you're healthy and well. Um, so uh, for all the listeners out there that may be experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties, it's not for a lack of trying. And uh, I'm glad you're feeling well, and, and hopefully you're back to 100% next week. Thank you. I am feeling well. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. 
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.